Hi, it's Carolina. I'm so excited that you could join us on the City Point Redcliffe podcast. We're about to go into a message that I delivered recently, and I hope that it encourages you, it inspires you, and it launches you further in your walk with Jesus. That's my heart for you as you listen. If it does encourage you, why not share it with someone who you think could do with hearing it as well? And subscribe so that you don't miss any of the messages that are uploaded every single week. For now, sit back, enjoy, and I hope that you get blessed. Are you ready for the word this morning? Are you ready for your heart to extend after and, um, and to sow in faith and come with an expectation? Well, you know, I don't take it lightly that the Lord saved me. My number plate is ransomed. He literally ransomed me. I was being held at ransom by the enemy, and it was Jesus who paid my ransom. I don't take it lightly. I don't take lightly what he plucked me out of. I see it as an honor to know God and to follow God. I see it as an honor to be a part of his mission in the earth. I see it as a privilege to extend his love shown to me to other people, that someone else's story would be the same as mine, ransomed, plucked out of what I could have been heading into and what I surely was heading into. I don't take it lightly what the Lord has done in my life, what he continues to do in my life. And to see people's lives transformed, I am hooked. I am hooked. Just one person a year gets me going for the next year. But it's many more than that. Seeing a life transformed, able to walk alongside a person as they see transformation in the Spirit of God, there's actually nothing better in the whole world than to walk alongside someone and see them transformed in the things of God. Here you go, church. Here are your prayer requests from the last number of years that we pray over week in, week out until they become praise reports. And so influencing our generation for good and for God, and it's the most exciting thing to be a part of. If you're bored, it's your own fault because the journey with Jesus is like nothing else. Living your life on purpose in the kingdom is like nothing else. It is such a privilege. But unfortunately, there are still a lot of Christians who miss out living the adventure of a lifetime. They believe in God, But, you know, I'll attend church when it fits my schedule or when I feel like it. And, you know, if I'm a good enough person, then surely the universal scales of justice will get me into heaven. It doesn't work like that. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't think like that? Aren't you glad Jesus didn't say, not your will, but my will be done, and I don't do crosses? Aren't you glad? I'm so glad that he didn't think like that. I'm so glad. No, Jesus' destiny was connected and determined by his giving of himself. And my destiny and your destiny was determined by his giving of himself. And so the title of my message this morning is Your Destiny is Connected to Your Giving. And the destiny of the people around you is connected to your giving. So my giving or my lack of giving impacts my own destiny and the destiny of the people around me. Everything is about trading. To get something, you have to give something. You trade your time and your skills for a paycheck. It doesn't matter what job you're in, 
or what type of work you do, whether you run a business or you're employed, you give up your time, you give up your energy for an income. Everything in life, everything in this, on this side of eternity is about a trade. It's all about a trade. God traded his only begotten son so that he could have many sons and daughters. And the Bible tells us that unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it falls alone, it reaps many more. It becomes a harvest. Everything in life is about trading. It's about giving. And giving it determines my destiny. And my giving determines the destiny of people around me. There are a lot of people who want the blessing without sowing the seed, who want the privilege without the responsibility, sex outside of marriage. There are lots of people who want the privilege without the responsibility. They want the harvest without the sowing and the plowing. They want revival without their involvement. Reminds me of the story of these two men, brothers, who walk into a dentist and the older brother says, have you got time? I've got to have a tooth pulled out. Sure, the dentist says, I need you to do it fast. Don't worry about any pain relief. Just take it out right now. And he goes, wow, you're brave. Okay, which tooth? And he turns to his younger brother and goes, show him your tooth. That's how a lot of people live, is I want this, but someone else is actually going to do it. But that's actually not how it works. It's not how it works. Go get him, Pastor Carolina. Go get revival. Let's see the nation turned around. Let's see Petrie turned around for the things of God. It's like you pointing to me as the younger brother going, it's actually all of us. If we all want to see revival, it's all of us laying down. It's all of us sowing. It's all of us being a part of what the Lord is doing. To see great things happen, we have to give great things. It costs time. It costs love. It costs effort, money, prayer, self to see a great marriage, a great family, a great church, a move of God, there's a cost. There's a cost. And I want to tell you, it is a privilege to pay it. It is a privilege to pay it. Our destiny is connected to all of that. If we look at how important giving is to God, we can watch Jesus and his behavior in Mark 12. It's quite amazing. Mark 12, Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money in. And many who were rich put in much. And then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make up a quadrants. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given in the treasury. For they put out of their abundance, but she put in out of her poverty all that she had and her whole livelihood. There's a lot, so many God principles in this short story. He stands by the treasury. Now, can you imagine if this morning when you come to give your offering, I stand here and watch what you put in. I ask you to show me what you've written on your pledge. Or I stand with you as you press pay on the app every week. It's amazing that Jesus did that. I think he, he really wasn't worried about offending people. He was always just right there. But, but you know what? Giving is important to the Lord. It tells us something about ourselves and it tells the Lord where our heart is, what we, how we behave in the area of giving. And so giving declares what I really believe, whether I believe God's word to be true, whether I trust in the Lord. Giving is the only proof of love. When a young man is pursuing a woman, he's going to buy her gifts. 
he's going to do certain things to prove how he feels, or hopefully he does. Maybe not in this day and age, but you should. Because giving is actually the proof of love. It's actually one of the proofs of love. It determines our destiny and the destiny of others. You know, is money going to be important in eternity? No. We're not going to be sitting up there talking about the $10 million we made last week selling off an outer lion galaxy. We're not going to be doing that. Money's not important in heaven, but it's very important here. Yes, it is. It's really, really important here because the word tells us that it extends the kingdom, but it also proves what you believe. It proves where your trust is. It proves where your faith is. So it's really important on this side. So in Luke 16, we're going to anchor ourselves there in Luke 16. And the purpose is that the kingdom of God would be extended. You know, when we obey, when we trust the Lord with our finances, when we release what he has entrusted to us back into his hands, it's, it's a way of seeing heaven come to earth. And so maybe when the Lord asks us to give, he's not trying to get something from us. He's trying to get something to us and through us. And everyone wins except the enemy when his people trust him. So in Luke 16, four points this morning. Let's read it together. Jesus speaking. He who is faithful with what is least. Can you say least? Will also be faithful with much. Can you say much? He who is unjust in least is also unjust in much. Therefore, if you've not been faithful with unrighteous mammon or money, natural physical money, if you've been unfaithful with money, who will commit to you the true riches? Can you say true riches? Which tells us money is not the true riches. And if you've not been faithful with what is another man's, who will give you your own? For no servant can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. And so four principles this morning, principles of increase that will help connect us and those around us to the destiny of God. The first one is being faithful with the little. Faithful with the little. In verse 10, he who is faithful with the least is also faithful with much. And he's been unfaithful with little will be unfaithful with much. And of course, much is the result of what we do with the little. We don't get to much before we pass through the test of the little. So much is the result of. In regards to, let's disregard this myth of, I'll give when I have more money. No, you won't. If we can't give 10 out of 100, we'll never give 1,000 out of 10,000. It always starts with the little. It's, it's, a, it's a question of faithfulness. It's a question of faithfulness regardless of what's in our hand. What do we do with what's in our hand? When we look at the parable of the talents, the master assigned talents to his servants and then went away. And it, to one he gave five, to another he gave two, and to another he gave one. The one who had five made it ten, multiplied it, was a good steward of it, increased it. The one who had two multiplied it, increased it, was a good steward, made it four. The one who had one did nothing with it and returned just one to the Lord. 
And so what does the master do? Well, the master takes that one and gives it to the person who has 10, because he who has been faithful with little will be given much. But if you've been unfaithful, even what you have will be taken from you. It all starts with the little. It's never about what I have. It's always about what I do with what I have. So being faithful with the little, being faithful what's in our hand right now. Just take stock of what is in your hand right now and how are we stewarding that in faithfulness to the Lord. Number two, faithful and trustworthy. So in verse 11, it says, if you've not been faithful with money, who will trust you with the true riches? My heart aches. My heart aches to be a trustworthy servant in the kingdom of the Lord. I ache for him to look on me and say, I can trust her. I know I can trust her with the eternal souls of my children who need to meet me. I know I can trust her to steward a church community who will come into my presence. I, can, I ache for that. I ache for that to be the testimony of the Lord over my life. I can trust her. And we prove our trustworthiness through our stewardship in this life, in our abandonment to him, in our devotion and consecration to him. And so on this side, the only thing I have are tangible things, really, and I prove my stewardship through what I have in my hand. I prove, Lord, you can trust me the way I steward what you've given me. You can I can prove that. Do you know, my bank statement is not just an economic statement. It's a moral statement. When I look at my bank statement, it should be testifying of the kingdom of God. It should be speaking to the advancement of his kingdom. Because my bank statement is a moral statement more than anything else when it comes to heaven's perspective. So to, to be entrusted with the true riches of heaven, I have to be a good steward of unrighteous mammon. And we do that just through trust. We do that through obedience. We do that through going, Lord, I hear you and I act on your invitation. To be faithful with the unrighteous things and trusted with the things of heaven. Number three, faithful with others. You know, the Lord is all about relationship, relationship with him and relationship with others. And he will put us in relationships to test us, to build us, to grow us, to develop us. And it says here, if you have not been faithful with belongs to another person, then who will give you your own? Faithful with another person's vision, another person's mission, your boss, your pastor, your leader, your parents. If you're not faithful with what belongs to someone else, you won't be given your own or you won't be proven trustworthy to have your own. It's like the centurion who came to Jesus with a need. And Jesus said, well, let me come and, and come to your house. And he goes, no, no, because I understand authority. I understand it because I have authority. And so we will only be given authority when we submit to authority. We'll only be trusted with 
our own when we've proven ourselves trustworthy with what belongs to you. We all have uplines. We all have people that the Lord's put us in relationship with. But ultimately, the way we steward those relationships reflect how we steward our relationship with our ultimate authority. And that is the Lord. When he says, do this, do we do it? When he says, sow this, do we do it? Or do we wrestle? Do we wrestle? So being faithful with what belongs to another person, we look at Elijah and Elisha, this young man, Elisha, who comes alongside the prophet, and the prophet's trying to shake him off all the time, like, I've got to go, leave me, don't come with me, and he's like, no way, I'm sticking with you, I'm sticking with you. I think he says it four times, just stay here, I'm going to move on, no, I am staying with you. And because he did what happened, he picked up a double portion, because he was in it. Because he was in it, because he trusted what belonged to another person, he picked up a double portion of what was on that person. We look at Ruth and Naomi. I love this story. They're both widowed. Naomi, the mother-in-law, Ruth, the daughter-in-law. And, and there's another daughter-in-law. All three of them lose their husbands. And, and Naomi says, look, my daughters, I can't offer you anything. I'm going back to my people. You go back to your father's house. Orpah goes home. Ruth is like, not a chance. I know you've got nothing to offer me now, but I understand that if I'm faithful with what belongs to another person, the Lord will come through. Faithfulness, integrity. And so she says, your people will be my people. Where you go, I will go. And for a season, she's gleaning fields. She's serving her mother-in-law, but what she comes into is unbelievable. She walks into the favor of God that she could never have walked into if she'd gone back home. And she's a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ, all because she was faithful with what belonged to another person. It's amazing what God does when we prove ourselves, when we prove ourselves faithful on mission. I remember many years ago when the Lord spoke to me about this exact thing. And there were many pastor's kids who were coming into our youth ministry back then. And, um, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. Why is that, Lord? And he said, that's for me to worry about. But listen, you take care of my house and I'll take care of yours. You take care of my house and I'll take care of yours. And I want to tell you, my children have never been without. My children have loved the house of God their whole lives passionate and inspired, but I've devoted my life to loving God's kids, to taking care of God's house, and He has and continues to take care of mine. When we're faithful with what belongs to someone else, we will be given our own. Faithful. Faithful loyalties, lastly. No person can serve two masters. We do have to choose. We do have to choose. And the Bible tells us that where your treasure is, there your heart is. It's a big thing. It's a big thing. I remember one of my family members who was, I mean, I thought not even the Lord can help this person. Anyone got a family member like that? Like there's just like no way. He had every reason. He had every criticism of the church, of religion, all these things. When he became a Christian, it was like mind-blowing. 
he heard the audible voice of God that said to him, don't touch your de facto partner until she is your wife. You are not allowed to be with her again until you're married. 30 days later, they were married in their backyard. But I knew the day he starts tithing will be the true sign of a heart change. And it took a little while, but he had every hang up because his trust had always been in his own ability, in his own entrepreneurialism, in his own strength, in making things work for himself. And I remember the day that the Lord spoke to him and he started giving. I want to tell you, he softened as a person. He changed as a person. That was the nail in the coffin for him. But we can't serve two masters. At some point, we're going to have to decide, do I trust the Lord or not? Do I really serve him or not? If he were to ask you for a 100%, would you give it? Do I really trust the Lord? Because money is a great servant, but it's a terrible master. The Lord, on the other hand, is an incredible Lord. An incredible, faithful, trustworthy, kind, generous master. And he's never trying to get anything from us. He's always trying to get something to us. So I have known from the youngest age, if he's asking me to do something, the best thing I can do is do it. I was at a conference earlier this year listening to someone speak and she said, you know, she's pioneered churches all over the world in crazy places. I mean, she doesn't start churches where it's comfortable. She's in India, she's in Asian nations, pioneering churches, and has a young family that she does it with, her and her husband. And she said, to, she said this statement that just exploded in my spirit. She said, if the Lord calls me to a war zone, that's where I'll be because the safest place to be is in the middle of the will of God, even if it's a war zone. The safest place to be is in the middle of the will of God. And it resonated with me because just that week, someone had commented to me about my kids and everything we've just walked through. And it was someone close to us and said to me, your kids are doing better today than they ever have. And I wrestled with it all week. Lord, how is that even possible until she said this? I realized it's because we're right in the middle of the will of God. We live our days in obedience every single day. And even if it is a war zone, I want to tell you, it feels like a war zone some days. But it's the safest place to be, knowing I can't serve two masters. I must only serve one master, and every one of us has to answer, who is that going to be? That we're faithful in our loyalties, knowing that no, because He's good, I want to promise you He's so good. I want to promise you He's so faithful. If He asks you to go into a war zone, that is the safest place for you to go. If he asks you to do something, that is actually the best thing you can do. I promise. I promise. He is trustworthy. He is faithful. He's kind. He's good. He goes over and above. He's way smarter than me. Just when I think I've got something figured out and he asks me to do something crazy and I do it, it's over and above anything I could have calculated on my own. But I can only have one loyalty. And the scripture here tells us you can only 
have one master, that we chase him, that we follow him. And when we do, it connects us to our destiny and it connects the people around us to their destiny. So this morning, we have this incredible opportunity, Faith, Love, Hope Sunday, to extend our faith, to challenge ourselves, to challenge our flesh, to challenge our fears, our doubts, our loyalties. Lord, move through me. Stretch me. I give you permission, Lord, to challenge me. I give you permission to touch that area of my life that I kind of wish you wouldn't, but I know if you do, I'll be better off for it. And it's not like it only happens on Faith, Love, Hope Sunday. Our lives are like this, but we do put key moments in the calendar to remind ourselves of, hang on, where am I really at? Have I drifted? And coming back into faith with Him, coming back into expectation with Him. And do you know what? When I do my relationship with the Lord, just me and Him, just obedience and abandonment, adoration, consecration, the world around me changes. But it's actually not my business. My business is just this. And when I do this, when I live in a love relationship, a trust relationship with a heavenly God, the world around me is impacted. It's a byproduct. Why don't you stand to your feet? Thank you for listening. We pray that this message inspires you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. Go ahead and share it with a friend. And can I invite you to connect with us on one of our many social media platforms as well? Most importantly, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to say congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We'd love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services around the world this Sunday. And you can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We would be so thrilled to see you there.